0: welcome to sophisticated property investing podcast hi there ladies and gents and a very warm welcome to this episode of the sophisticated property investment podcast with me your host frank fleck i am often challenged it's probably the biggest challenge that i'm presented with from non-investors from traditional investors even from new clients that have just started working with me i believe that It's possible to buy a property at 25% below market value. I believe that you can do no money down purchasing. I believe that someone will allow you to take possession of the property now, occupy the property and pay for it in 15 years time. But why? It's always the same answer because the vendors, motivated vendors, they are not common. If you line up a 100 vendors on the open market, you're probably not going to have a motivated vendor in front of you. If you line up a 1,000, you probably are, but you're not guaranteed to. If you line up 10,000 vendors, then you definitely are. There's probably quite a few in there in 10,000. I'd say between five and 15 motivated vendors if you lined up 10,000 people who are on the market. So I I always say one in a thousand, and I think that's quite accurate personally, but I haven't got data to back that up. It's a, a gut feeling from having spoken to hundreds and hundreds of motivated vendors. Obviously, working out their pain their motivation for selling is really important we need to know which of the 42 reasons for selling they have and i've covered those in previous episodes so i'm I'm not actually going to even mention those 42 different reasons in this episode but what i am going to focus on is how we can help those motivated vendors so in what way can we be flexible? And I've gone through my previous transactions in preparation for this episode. And I have thought to myself, okay, what have we done in the past for people that a regular traditional investor wouldn't have done? What have we provided in terms of flexibility in terms of going above and beyond that a regular vendor wouldn't have done? So the first that we've done is we've completed very very quickly six days is my record I agreed the deal on a Thursday night it was about uh, seven or eight p.m. in a pub I went to a pub to meet a couple who traveled a long way they didn't occupy the property and I was ready to complete on Monday their lawyer wasn't. uh, They didn't go with my chosen lawyer. So we had to wait for their lawyer and their lawyer was finally ready on Wednesday. So it took six days, but actually I was ready in two working days. So really, really quickly is important and um, sometimes I've bought the date forward so initially they've said look I'm happy to do it in in the next two or three months and then they said actually I could really do it in the next month and I've bought the date forward I've done that before for people so speed is a really important one for some people um, and that's on a, a either a control now pay later or a below market value purchase I also have helped people financially before we've completed the deal. Completion of a deal is either completion of a BMV purchase or signing of the document that gives us permanent control of a control now pay later. So for example signing the option on a control now pay later or exchanging contracts on a control now pay later or actually completing on on, on the property. So so until that point we haven't actually secured our interest in the property so until you've actually signed the paperwork the vendor could change their mind and to be fair that's their prerogative and very occasionally that happens not very often but it has happened enough times to be cautious about it in i've I've probably had direct involvement in probably 5 or 600 transactions now um where i've been actively involved in the conveyancing I've either been the buyer or a JV partner has or a client has and so I know enough about the transaction I've mentored people on a lot more transactions but I might not know every intricacy of the transaction so five or six hundred where I know all the details I would say oh it's a good question I'd say between five and 10 times the vendors changed their mind. Yeah. Five, so one to 2%. So it does happen. It does happen. So it's, it's worth being conscious of that. But what I have done in the past in order to be flexible is, and this might be astounding to people, given my uh, statement about five to 10 people pulling out, is I have given them money in advance. So they've said, "Yep, yeah, I'll do that, Frank, either then at the time, or later on they've said could you pay me some money in the meantime because I'm so short of money cash flow's is so tight and of course I will I will if I possibly can and you might say well how would you do that Frank and any lawyer will say well you can't do that it's not it's not safe they might pull out and the lawyer's right they might pull out but if you can't give these people a high enough level of service if you can't help them enough they won't pay you for that service obviously but the way they pay you for the service is in selling you their property under the terms and conditions that that you that suit your business profile your business plan and so you have to be commercial about this So let me give you one example. It was a woman. I can remember which property it was now. I can remember her quite well. She phoned me up. We were mid-transaction. We were actually on target from from memory. We were on target. Sometimes dates slip, so maybe it slipped a little bit. Um, I can't honestly remember, but it doesn't strike me as one that we had loads of issues with. She phoned me up. I seem to remember it was a weekend. I now turn my work phone off on a weekend, so this wouldn't happen now. I have a Uh, a phone for uh, family and friends and a phone for work and so that I can have separation from work but at that time I only had one phone I've only done that very recently actually it's a it's a game changer for for taking back control of your time for definite I took a call from this uh, vendor on a Saturday or Sunday I can't remember and she said Frank I'm really struggling with money please can you pay me something in advance and I said how much would you like and she said a thousand pounds and I thought well yes I can do that I have a thousand pounds that I can give to you but it's a Sunday I think she lived like 40 45 minutes away I can drive over and give you this money I might have done it on the Monday I can't remember but I think I did it on the Sunday because maybe I was busy on the Monday I'm going back a few years here and and i said yes i can do that but here's the deal i have to knock two thousand pounds off the purchase price and we were only a week or two away from completion and she said yes that that's fair enough i can do that and i said look that's just paying me for the inconvenience for driving over giving you the money i gave a thousand pound cash um but the purchase price is going to drop by two thousand pounds are you okay with that and she said yeah i'm okay with that and so i justified that in my head as saying i was happy to drive two hours for A £1,000 basically. Then I had to think to myself, how am I going to protect this £1,000? Because she might not go ahead. And what I came up with was a loan agreement. I did a very simple loan agreement. I said, look, you're going to need a friend or someone there to witness your signature. And she said, oh yeah, that's fine. And we signed a two-page loan agreement there and then witnessed um to say i'm borrowing a thousand pounds i have to pay this back to you in 30 days time i think i put a really high interest rate on it as well i think i might have put like a 10 or or 15 interest rate on it um after 30 days and it becomes repayable in 30 days and I wanted a high interest rate in case she didn't pay and I had to pursue her through the courts. I made her liable for the court costs within the loan agreement and and by the way if you're thinking oh how do you get these loan agreements you can buy these online they're not difficult like you I, I have written them myself but actually you can get really good legally written off the peg agreements for peanuts online a really good supplier that i like to use is a company called law depot if you google them law depot you can just type in what you want and i think you can pay for a single document like 30 40 50 pounds or you can subscribe for not a lot i think it might be 30 40 50 pounds a month and you can have unlimited documents and that's really good so we just subscribe and then whenever we need a uh an off the peg option or non-disclosure agreement loan agreement they're all there basically Uh, and you can amend them and change them to your to to suit your situation so knocked up one of those and drove over gave it a thousand pounds signed the loan agreement and in that loan agreement it said that the loan was written off when she sold her property to me, and obviously that was really important to her, but that was really important to me as well, and it meant that she didn't actually have to give me any money, and there was no interest so long as she still sold her property to me, and then I changed all the paperwork with the 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 lawyers to to drop the purchase price by two thousand pounds. She was really grateful. She a thousand pounds in her pocket, cash the same day or the next day. Um, it's quite an a high level of service you know and if you if you're thinking who would do that what traditional investor would do that well none none would give you a thousand pounds up front and i can't remember what she needed it for but clearly it was it was important so there's one example of being i think extremely flexible um another example another example the property was unmortgageable and so i said to the vendor, look. If you want me to give you this much money for the property, I'm gonna need to do a lot of work to it before I own it. Now, I was able to exchange contracts. It it, it was a lot. I think it was about 15,000 pounds worth of works. And I said, I'm gonna need to do those works beforehand. Now that's not an unusual thing for me to do. It's called a key undertaking. And that's something I've done quite a few times. It's a very powerful way of giving a vendor more than they would otherwise get because if you can raise the value of the property before you buy it you can then obviously get a mortgage on the property which is going to be advantageous to you it's going to give you more leverage so let's use some numbers and as an example well I'll use one of the actual examples that I've done now I'm going back a little way I'm probably going back 10 years here the property was had no kitchen in it, had no. It did have a bathroom, but the kitchen had been ripped out. That was it. The kitchen had been ripped out. There was a beautiful oak sideboard, I remember that, um, that hadn't been fitted yet. And of course, a property with no kitchen is, is unmortgageable. I seem to remember the rest of the property was okay. Maybe it needed a bit of decoration, but not a lot. There was no way I could get a mortgage on it until it was mortgageable, and there was no way it would become mortgageable without having a working kitchen. So. My offer to the vendor was really low. I said, but I could give you a bit more if you allow me to finish the kitchen while you own it. And then I could give you this. And it was, it was only, you know, the difference between, it was a long time ago and it was in Nottingham. So I think in its current condition, I maybe could have given him 45 but with the kitchen in situ, I could maybe give him 65 I was like, well, that was really worth it to him. But it was also worth it to me because then I could buy it on term finance. And it was a lot uh, lot better deal for me because I wasn't having to put all my cash in. I was putting less cash in. So he let me do the, the kitchen, whatever the kitchen was, probably seven grand at the time. And then I could pay more for the property. But I still got a really good deal because it was probably worth... 130 something like that after it was uh it was finished etc so everyone was happy the way and and that's not an uncommon thing and you might say well that's not really being flexible for the vendor that's being flexible for your benefit which is true however it kind of is also flexible for the vendor because you're giving them more money by doing works on their property before you own it and of course there is a risk there and probably the most I've ever done is £30,000 whilst the vendor still owned the property and you do get into the the realms of nervousness there and you have, to, you have to do it to your own comfort level and you have to know what your risk profile is but certainly upwards of £10,000 I'm looking for a legally advised piece of protection, so I'm looking for an exchange of contracts, I'm looking for a a legally advised option agreement, something like that. So that if the vendor suddenly does get a bit greedy or tries to renege on the deal, then I can... I've got some legal redress. That's never happened by the way. I've never been flexible in this way and the vendor has then ripped me off that's really important and I I think the reason for that is I've built so much trust and rapport there's so much gratitude there and people struggle to understand this people who are not sophisticated property investors people who've only ever bought traditionally don't seem to be able to get their head around the fact that this is a win-win they are so fixed in the mindset that you have to be ripping people off but my statement just now these people are grateful they really are these people really are grateful and it's it's the same as saying you can buy a Ford Focus for £20,000 I don't know never bought a Ford Focus but you know you can buy a family car for £20,000 or you can go and buy a Ferrari for £350,000 oh that's such a ripoff. I don't know how those Ferrari salesmen sleep at night. How dare they? It's like standing outside with a placard saying, you're ripping people off. How dare you sell cars for, uh, I'm trying to work out the math, 20,000 to 35,000 pounds for 20 times, is it? No, it's like 18 times what they're worth. It's a different Product just like mine is a different service and it's a different client group. Are the Ford Focus buyers getting an amazing deal with 95% knocked off? No, they're getting the deal that they're happy with, they're getting good value for them. A 20,000 pound car for 20,000 pounds, they are not interested in paying 350,000 pounds for a car. Does that mean that the Ferrari buyers are being ripped off? No, they're getting a £350,000 car. They're getting the prestige of owning a brand new Ferrari. They are getting the service, the aftercare service. They're getting the performance. And so that flexibility, giving this flexibility to vendors, and I'm not saying it's impossible. It absolutely is possible. Is actually nowhere near as risky as one might think. Now it is possible, as I say, that you could get uh, ripped off you have to protect yourself against this and the the principle I take is if I'm flexible like this with 20 people I do 20 deals as a result and one vendor rips me off well that is so worth it now no vendor has ever rip, ever ripped me off when I've been you know when I've gone above and beyond in the way that I'm describing but that's so worth it because let's say on average I get a 30,000 pound discount that's six. Hundred thousand pounds in discount that I've achieved across those 20 transactions, and I might have lost ten or fifteen thousand pounds or five thousand pounds on one deal. That is so worth it, but you have to be able to get your head around that. You're listening to the sophisticated property investing podcast with Frank Flegg. If you enjoy this content, why not follow Frank's TikTok where you'll get loads of bite sized investing tips. Just search TikTok for Frank Flegg. That's Frank, F-L-E, double G. I mentioned key undertakings in doing work. So I remember one gentleman where I said, look, there's so much work to do. It's new kitchen, new bathroom, decorating, new carpets, etc." Um, I can't do all that while you're in the property. It will be so hard to do it while you live here. Um, it will slow down my workmen. It will cost me more money. And to be fair, it's going to be really miserable for you because he wanted to stay. And he said, don't worry. I'll, I'll, I'll like, you know, keep myself to myself. And I said, that isn't going to work. How about you take a nice holiday? And we, we talked about it and he said, I haven't got the money, Frank. Um, and he knew the new place he was going into, etc. And I said, look, how about I give you 2000 pounds? and he said that would be amazing he bought some new shoes I can remember very hard up gentleman been living on the the bread line for a lot lot of years he bought a new pair of shoes that he was over the moon with he bought um some furniture for his new house that he was really excited about and he went and stayed in a BNB and b and had a little holiday and he loved it he absolutely loved it and of course, as soon as you do something like this, the pressure is then taken off getting the works done You know, on the day. It, the vendors are a lot more flexible if they're not in pain. If you solve their problem or if you are solving their problem, I've, I've paid people's mortgages for them before I've bought their property. And you think, oh, that's a, a generous thing to do. Well, no, obviously it's factored into the price, but paying a 350 pound mortgage once while you buy a property for thirty thousand pounds below is is not a, a hardship. That that's okay. You know that's not a that's not a, um, a, a a big thing to do. It's just a cost of sale, just like we pay their legals, um, etc. So paying before completion is a big way that we're flexible. Another way that I've been flexible is I have often allowed the vendor to leave whatever they want in the house. I've said, look just tell me what you're leaving. Or if it's easier, tell me what you're taking and I will sort everything else out. And of course, it's not hard to clear stuff out of a house. Much easier for me when I've got my workmen there for them to whack a skip on the front, empty the entire property. That's a big deal for a homeowner sometimes and is not hard for me at all. You know, it's potentially only a day's work and the cost of a few skips not difficult for us at all and so total cost of emptying a two up two down house might only be thousand pounds might be a bit more might be two thousand pounds but not a huge amount however we can knock that off the purchase price of the house and if that flexibility is really valuable to the the vendor then fantastic and and you might think well that's you know not a biggie frank but standard law society contract paperwork tells the vendor they they have to sign to or tick and sign, and then sign to say yes i'm going to take everything out of the property i am going to leave it empty well if they're a bit of a hoarder or if they are not very mobile or if they don't like the idea of that inconvenience that hassle and we have to be careful not to judge people by our standards. If you ask me to empty a property, you know, with my own bare hands, I could do that. I'd, I'd do that in twelve hours. I'd, I'd look at it as a a good workout for myself, and might invite a few mates around. And <laughs> um, not this year because I'm I'm not drinking this year. But maybe have a few beers at lunchtime and make a make a good good time out of it. You know. But that's my mentality. That's my approach to this particular thing that might need to be done. But other people have other approaches, and that's really important to recognize. And so, emptying a property of stuff and Don't underestimate the emotional baggage that people have when it's a probate case for example and it's mum or dad's house and there's loads of stuff in it. That's a hard thing for some people to do that we can take that pain away from them and we can just fix it for them. They can literally just walk out the door, lock the front door, give us the keys and, and, and we'll deal with everything else. So that's something I've done quite a few times. Another thing I've done is where someone is selling to us but they need to be housed by the council. And often this is where they're going into some kind of supported living arrangement or sheltered uh, living. Um, the council sometimes have like blocks of flats where there's a warden that lives there or a warden that lives nearby and they can press a button and the warden will come to their flat. So it's like independent living but supported. And the problem that councils face, and I do have some empathy because I think on the podcast previously I've been quite uh, quite damning but I do I do have empathy because they do do this on on very very tight budgets now. I'm not saying that they're efficient with their budgets mind but they do do it on very tight budgets. They will not house someone. Typically this is my experience whether or not this is written down in a a rule book at the council somewhere I don't know. But my experience has been that they will not house someone unless that person is homeless it's not enough and this is reasonable to say look I'm thinking of selling my house please can you house me because the council and I would say rightly will say well no the you've currently got a home to live in We'll house you when you don't have a home to live in anymore. So they require evidence that the sale is going through. And so what I've done very often is I've done a memorandum of sale and have given that to the vendor to give to the council. Now, ordinarily on a memorandum of sale, you wouldn't put the date of the sale. It's normally just an agreement to buy, but I We'll often put an anticipated date of completion on the memorandum of sale and I'll make that really soon and I'll say to the vendor look would you like to complete on that day and they say yes and I say well I would like to as well just to be aware just to, to forewarn you we're actually looking at it potentially taking quite a lot longer but let's both anticipate this date so we write down you know anticipated date of uh, completion and i put that on the memorandum of sale so they can take it to the council now when the council sees a really clear sale agreement with a purchaser with a vent, with the vendor and their name and address and a date that's often in my experience enough for them to spring into action and sort some accommodation out Now I have had councils where they've said that's not enough, I want to see an exchange of contracts. You are allowed to exchange contracts without using a solicitor. Not many people realize that, but you absolutely are, there's no rule against it. And so you can write two contracts and um, the vendor signs one, you sign one, and you pass him yours and he passes you his that is exchanging contracts now you have to be careful with that because that is legally binding so you don't want to put yourself in a position where the vendor can now hold you to an exchange of contracts that you did in order to help them but so long as you do that at a low enough price then you don't mind if the vendor holds you to it and you know you're not going to hold them to it because you're already going through the the transaction and what you need to remember is any contract can be dissolved with the agreement of all parties and so they can agree to dissolve that contract that exchange of contracts and you can but at the time they take it to the council it's binding it's legally binding so i've done that before help a vendor now no regular no traditional investor will do this but these are how we earn our money you know by being flexible and and thinking outside the box and giving them what they need um in a way that you know in whatever way we can basically the other thing i've had before is where the council have said well you we haven't sold yet so we want you to stay in your property and it's obvious they haven't got accommodation anywhere but if these are vulnerable people they have to house them but only if they're homeless and so what I've said before is okay we're ready to to complete let's complete on the property I know the solicitors are going to ask you to hand me over the keys but you know what I'm really busy this week could you possibly hand over the keys next week and I know you're going to take some of your furniture with you or maybe they're leaving their furniture it depends on their situation but i'm not going to pop round and check you've taken all your furniture out i'm actually not going to actually pop round at all until next week and sometimes they'll they'll understand the nod and the wink and they'll go oh thank you frank knowing that i've let them stay for an extra week or sometimes they'll say but, but where will i go and i'll say look listen to me really carefully I don't care if you stay there. It's not it's not a biggie for me. If you stay a few extra days and don't give me the keys tomorrow when we complete, I'm cool with that. But here's what you need to do. Every day starting tomorrow you need to go to the council and tell them that you now have sold your property and you have nowhere to live because legally you don't. But I'm telling you I'm not coming round to the property for a week, so you 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 know have got a week to to get into your supported accommodation. And that has never failed to work because they can legitimately turn up and say, I've sold my house today, I need accommodation from you tonight. And that invariably gets sorted. Another way that I've been flexible is where people want to sell really quickly. They need the money, but they need the money to sort out a new property. So maybe they're buying a new property or they're doing something and they need the money now, but that new property won't be ready for a month or so, or or maybe even two months. And what I've done, and you have to be really careful with this. This one comes with a massive health warning because you mustn't fall foul of sale and rent back. Legislation, which is where you buy a property and then you rent it back to someone, you're not allowed to do that. That's a regulated activity in the UK. Um, You need permission from the FCA. Um, So you have to do this through the lawyers. You mustn't do this as like a side agreement. The way that, and I've taken legal advice on advice on this. The way that it's been explained to me by the lawyers, you need your own legal advice because this is. You don't want to full foul of the FCA for sure. You want to make sure you're following all their rules. The way it's been described to me is by lawyers, is it's a fixed term that is very short, and I've deliberately said you know thirty or sixty days. No rent will be paid for for the property. Um, there will be no AST all that we will do and and I would prefer to do an exchange where we release the deposit and then a completion later because that can't be construed as sale and rent back because I haven't bought it they haven't sold it to me so it can't be we've not done the first part of it so it can't be rented back if they still own it but if for some reason we need to complete maybe they need a lot of money so they need all of it it's all written into the original agreement so it says we're completing today we are allowing you to stay in the property for a finite period of 60 days upon which you need to give vacant possession. So it's tied into the sale and the legal advice I've had is that that is highly unlikely to be challenged by the FCA because it's such a short period of time, no rent being paid, no AST is in place etc. So that's a way that I've been flexible in the past and who, who allows someone to stay in for a month or two? um in a traditional transaction no one and and so that adds uh, a lot of flexibility that adds a lot of flexibility but also that adds a lot of value and that's all we're trying to do here we're trying to add value to the vendor because if we add enough value we'll earn enough money the amount that we can charge in a transaction is directly proportionate to the value that we can give the uh vendor I've had vendors who have asked for me to educate them in property investing. So I've allowed vendors to access my training programs. That's not a very common one, but I have done that. And the cost to me of that is quite minimal, but it's a really big value add. If you're not training people in property, then that's not something you're going to be able to add. But again, this is flexibility, isn't it? This is giving them what they are asking for. In a win-win manner, so I've given away um, ten, fifteen thousand pounds of property education, but the real cost to me of of having someone in my room is is probably five hundred pounds. So that's a win-win. They're getting ten, fifteen thousand pounds of value, and it's only costing me five hundred quid. I've helped people with their legal issues before. And this is one that you might not have thought of, but I've helped people to deal with all manner of legal issues i've i've introduced vendors to my litigation lawyers i've introduced them to my conveyancing lawyers my commercial lawyers wills and probate and um, i've helped people with the probate pay process before i have negotiated vendors debts down so if they have unsecured debts often you can get them down to about 30 or 40p in the pound And that can mean that a vendor can sell their property. I've I've had people with 20, 30,000 pounds worth of loans that have meant that if they sell their property, they're not gonna be able to pay off their loans. But I've helped them to reduce those loans down to a level where they can sell the property, pay off their loans and still have some money in their bank account. And that's how I'm, I'm singing for my supper, if you like. I'm knocking off, so if you knock 50, percent off a thirty thousand pound unsecured debt or it could be six debts of five thousand pounds but if you knock fifty percent off on average that gets it down to fifteen thousand pounds well that's fifteen thousand pounds that you can now pay less for the property and so i've done that before i've done that quite a few times it's it's a little time consuming you have to do it in the vendor's presence because the vendor has to phone the person the company and give permission for them to speak to you, and then you have to negotiate. And I've I've covered this on the the podcast before. Um, you then negotiate with the lender and and agree a full and final settlement with the with the lender. And then when you buy the property, the the vendor pays off their unsecured debts at that lower level. I've done that before. I've halted repossessions before, so that the vendor can keep control of the property, which has meant they've ended up with some money in their pocket rather than nothing through the repossession. I've gone to court before with a vendor to explain to the judge that I'm in a position to buy, that I'm ready to buy the property, that all we need is a bit of time so that we've got a an extension to the repossession. What traditional investor would do that? What traditional investor would go to court and speak on behalf of the vendor? And there you have it, ladies and gents. A lot of different ways that we can add value to our service by being flexible with vendors there really is no limit to what we can do for vendors if we are creative enough and of course the the harder it is to solve a, a vendor's problem the more likely they are to sell to us if we can solve it so we really want the we want those vendors the with the big problems And the really tricky situations as soon as i sit down with someone and they're like this is really complicated this is going to be a toughie for you i'm like brilliant bring it on i'm really excited because then in a position to do something that no one else could do for them now they're not going to sell to anyone else now i'm not competing on price now i'm just trying to solve their problem and we're on a team together we're working together to solve that vendor's problems yeah that vendors problems and and if we can solve them they're going to sell their property to us and often if they can't then they're they're really in a pickle like they're really going to struggle and potentially go bankrupt potentially be made homeless if we can't buy their property from them so these are high stakes games that we're we're playing and I, i i call it a game and i don't i don't say that lightly it is a game it's like playing monopoly in real life but the stakes are really high but how rewarding to have a vendor phone you up and say thank you at the end of a transaction thank you for going the extra mile thank you for lending me money clearing the property for me thank you for helping me with my problems thank you for the legal introductions thank you for the advice you know it's, it's a very very fulfilling thing to do and very very lucrative so i guess that's why i love it so much i hope that's helped you guys i hope that i hope that's raised your level of understanding of the creative nature of our solutions for sophisticated property investing make sure you never miss an episode by subscribing now